welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So first of all, wishing you all a very happy new year. And I'm pleased to say that this weekend, the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast should hit a million downloads. And it may have done so already, even by the time you are listening to this. Now, I started the podcast just before we went into lockdown in 2020. So 270 episodes later and almost four years old in February 2024, I can't quite believe it. And much of the success has been down to my incredible guests. Big shout out and thank you to all the guests who have told their stories, shared their experiences and expertise so generously with the audience. And also thank you so much to everyone who listens. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for being here and I massively appreciate every single one of you. So as part of celebrating the success of the podcast, I've been reflecting on five of my biggest lessons in overcoming bulimia, becoming um, a therapist and the whole process of healing, getting myself to the place I'm in today. So I've now been recovered, amazingly, for over 20 years. So there was a time in my life when I was in such a different place. And I'm telling you this to inspire hope around change because however stuck you're feeling today, there is always hope, change is always possible. And for you to realize as well, you know, from my pain has come some of my greatest purpose. But when I was in the midst of my pain, I never would have realized that. So there was a time in my life when my self-worth was pretty much on the floor. I truly did not feel good enough in every ounce of my being. And I had internalized messages that I've been told again and again, and I believed them. You know, a lot of messages about being not good enough, being a letdown, and I really, really believed these messages, and I had no internal sense of validation. My worth was completely dependent on the opinion of others, and that was so risky and an unhealthy place for me to be in. Also emotionally, I was chaotic, impulsive, and quite dysregulated. So out in the world, I would go about kind of with the sort of happy and carefree persona to other people. I would very much be conflict avoidant. If I tried to be assertive, I'd usually end up crying and then apologizing for even having an opinion and just having no trust in my feelings whatsoever. And I felt I didn't even deserve to have feelings. And I was so invested and tuned in to how the other person was feeling and I would just feel so guilty, guilty for having my feelings. I felt absolutely undeserving and no permission to have them. And my priority was always about taking care of others and trying to minimize any burden or stress that I might put onto them. It was an impossible way to exist and actually because of this as well my friendships and my relationships were not very genuine and authentic. You know on the surface it might have seemed that everything was all kind of wonderful but actually I was really holding such a large part of myself back. And I didn't know my likes and dislikes. I was an absolutely chronic people pleaser and I allowed everyone around me to make my decisions. I wasn't taking responsibility at all for my own life. 
And I would initially enjoy the pleasing for the validation and feedback of being the easygoing person, you know, who was so accommodating, who went with the flow. But then I would find that I would inwardly resent people and feel a kind of burning anger kind of building up. So many of my relationships as well were impacted by all of this as it was so challenging to, you know, to show up and be myself. Thankfully, my female friendships probably saved my life. I felt much safer in my female friendships. And I think this was because as well, I was one of four girls and um, and actually had a more kind of straightforward relationship with my mum where I really felt safe and loved. So I've always found, you know, my female friendships probably a lot easier. But particularly in my romantic relationships, I would always become the version of myself that the other person wanted or what I felt that they wanted. And I would maintain this for a while And of course, it wouldn't be sustainable though. So one day out of nowhere, all my resentment would burst out in a torrent of uncontrolled emotion and it would likely blow the relationship out of the water. And the other person would often be very confused and perplexed, you know, thinking actually, Harriet, you know, you're such a kind of easygoing, positive person. Where's all this come from? Then I'd feel intense guilt and shame for having the feelings, probably like apologize for feeling in the first place. So I definitely had what we call kind of dad issues, you know, finding it really hard to trust and have a healthy relationship with men, you know, after my challenging relationship with my dad. So all of these underlying stresses were coped through by using bulimia. So burying my head in restriction and binge eating and purging was an escape and a relief from life. Of course, anyone struggling with an eating disorder will appreciate the preoccupation with food, the secrecy, the shame, the isolation and desperation that come with when you're living with an ED. And when I had a bulimia as well, almost no one knew. When I had initially a shorter phase of anorexia nervosa, everyone was worried, stepped in, showed concern, you know, because I looked quite ill. But when I had bulimia, I was weight restored and seemingly healthy. So it was an incredibly isolating and lonely place. And it was a very challenging illness to be able to talk to anyone about as well. I think there's so much shame around bulimia. So fast forward today, I have been recovered now for over 20 years. I have a healthy relationship with food, which I don't take for granted. And I would describe myself as an intuitive eater, but this is very much balanced around eating regularly and practicing good self-care around, you know, sort of what I eat and looking after myself. And I prioritize these practices to ensure that I don't put myself in an over-hungry, deprived state. Because even though I haven't engaged in bulimic behaviors for so, so long now, I think if I went back on an extreme diet or wellness plan, I could be vulnerable to falling back. Okay, but I guess I just want to really say to you now that I prioritize my self-care and my regular eating and looking after myself so much that actually it would be highly, highly unlikely that that would ever happen. But of course, recovery is so much more than regular eating, isn't it? Today, I'm in a completely different place emotionally. I would say now that I genuinely do love myself and have got to know myself over the years. I value my strengths, my enthusiasm, my deep compassion for others, my creativity, my playfulness as examples. And I can also acknowledge my weaknesses. I definitely gloss over imperfections. I can be a bit unsociable if I'm not... Some, it's not something I'm invested in. I think I can be quite selfish sometimes. I'm not good at maths. I'm not very good at reading maps. My brain just does not work in that way. But I'm kind of at peace with myself with all of this. 
And today I have very good self-awareness and can name, process and regulate my emotions, notice my thoughts. And mostly I would say that my inner dialogue is one of peace and encouragement. I am content. I enjoy my life. I have intention, purpose, fulfillment, and I feel deeply connected to the people I love. My life is still not perfect because being a human, you're never going to have a perfect life. But I'm really pleased to say that I feel at peace in myself. And genuinely, I feel mainly optimism, joy, love, happiness, you know, along with other emotions too, because life has its ups and downs. But I'd say like now, nowadays, my baseline is very much one of peace. So I'm going to share the five key learnings that have led me to the place that I'm in today, from the place of pain to this place of purpose and meaning. So number one, embracing my whole self. Now bulimia was very much a coping strategy to distance and numb myself from difficult feelings and from aspects of myself that I didn't want to admit to. So I wanted to please my family, I wanted to really be the good child. But this really conflicted with my dreams and my own plans for the future. So I really had quite a conundrum going on because of, on the one hand, I'm someone who deeply cares about others. I want them to be okay. You know, I want everyone to sort of be happy, to be peaceful. I really want harmony. But I'm also a multi-passionate person who has strong desires to pursue, achieve, create and live wholeheartedly through finding real meaning and purpose. So it's hard to be like a people pleaser and to fully step into your power. You know, those things are not very compatible. It brings a lot of conflict. It's really hard to have both those things going on simultaneously. So what bulimia kind of helped me do, the way it helped me cope, was it almost allowed me to present that pleasing coping front to the world. And I'll sort of swallow down my difficult emotions trying to pretend that all was well. I didn't show anyone my conflict. I didn't really express how I was really feeling. So it was quite an internal battle for me. Inwardly, behind closed doors, I would turn to food to live out this conflict. And purging became a way to try and rid myself of all the negative feelings. And then I would almost feel like I'd wipe the slate clean. I'd go out in the world again with a clean slate, a positive kind of front, but of course, this doesn't really work as a coping strategy, does it? Because actually, my, my feelings were strong, valid, and powerful. And just trying to suppress them down and trying to pretend that they weren't there and trying to pretend that I could just please everyone, it led to such deep inner conflict and self-abandonment and massively impacted my self-worth because I just felt so inauthentic. And being authentic is one of my deepest values. So I felt I was very much living a lie. I felt inauthentic. I felt out of alignment with myself and this led to a deep self-loathing and terrible self-worth so by beginning to allow myself to embrace the whole of me rather than the parts I felt that were acceptable to others was central to my healing and this took time you know it wasn't like kind of wake up one day and flick a switch and off I went into the kind of rainbows and unicorns world it took time because I was really ashamed of who I was I felt so wrong and guilty for having my own desires and hopes and dreams because it conflicted so strongly with the people I loved. You know, I just felt so torn, really, because I knew that to pursue my own path, I was going to really upset people. 
but then I knew that if I just kind of did what people were telling me to do and was kind of like the good girl I would almost be like killing my soul so it was really a lot a very conflicted time so to heal it wasn't just therapy for me it was journaling it was being with myself and my thoughts talking it out with friends reading books Um, all of this became very much part of my daily life and practice getting to know myself and starting to like sort of trust myself a lot more so what damaged me so much with bulimia was the inauthenticity living a lie and authenticity remains one of my deepest and most important values to this day and as a recovering people pleaser i have to say i'm still working on this (laughs) okay number two investing in healing is the biggest gift to yourself Now, in my 20s, as I've said, my self-worth was on the floor, I was in recovery from bulimia, I was emotionally dysregulated, and my relationships, you know, reflected my self-worth. So I started my therapy journey at the age of 19 years old, and I prioritised therapy and healing over other aspects of my life. And people will often say, you know, therapy is so expensive, and I guess it is, but actually we will often happily spend money on nights out, getting our nails done, stuff more material goods but actually you know therapy is such an investment in the self I've said this before on the podcast but I know the work that I did on myself my 20s has allowed me to be so much more at peace and a better parent in my 30s and 40s so investing in myself I read books back in the day before podcasts and the internet was so available I journaled, I spoke for hours with trusted friends and invested heavily in personal development courses. And making the decision to train as a therapist when I was traveling in Australia at 23 years old was the best decision I ever made because at 25, I was doing my introduction to counseling skills course and being a wounded healer, it gave me focused inspiration and impetus to fully recover from bulimia and walk my talks that I could genuinely support others. And I think... It's often said, isn't it, that I think, you know, when we're kind of really inspiring and teaching others, it kind of helps us heal ourselves as well. And that was so true for me because of I suddenly had a bigger purpose and vision and there was a lot on the line. You know, my authenticity was so important to me and it really helped me in my recovery journey. Now, I'm still working on myself today. The eating disorder symptoms for me are long gone, but improving emotional intelligence communication, developing assertiveness and fully stepping into self-validation rather than seeking it externally. These are all ongoing processes. Okay, time for a short advertisement break. On the outside, you have it all together. You're successful, you seem happy, but what your friends and family don't see is that you are living in the vicious cycle of bulimia. You know something needs to change. Your health depends on it but you just don't know where to start or how to move forward. This is where Conquering Bulimia comes in. It's a -a one-of-a-kind online recovery course brought to you by certified eating disorder coaches Sarah Lee and Merritt Elizabeth. They know exactly what you're going through. They've both recovered from bulimia and have teamed up with leading experts to create an online course with over 70 videos as a powerful addition to your recovery. Conquering Bulimia is private and self-paced, filled with personal stories and coaching tips that will teach you how to change your behaviours for good. It will challenge and inspire you, and it's affordable, offered at an incredible discount of over 60% of the cost of one-on-one coaching. 
break free from bulimia on your terms and start living the life of your dreams and having the peace you deserve. Go to conqueringbulimia.com, link is in the show notes. Okay, so number three, trust those inner nudges of intuition and act on them. So we can often be overly rational and analytical in our decision making. And what might seem to be a logical and effective choice may really misalign with your heart's desire. So for me, going to university, going to Australia, training as a counsellor, specialising in eating disorders back in 2003 when I first began, working for the NHS. Then four years ago, I was conventionally successful, having a full-time job as a highly credible eating disorder service practitioner, where I was valued and also a member of a supportive team. However, I knew I wanted to work for myself to have more autonomy and freedom. And I longed to create content and deliver training in my own style without any organizational limits and ways of working. And I so value autonomy and freedom so much. So little by little, following my gut, my heart, my intuition, I reduced my NHS hours and have slowly built a business with client work, online courses, training, podcasting, and dabbling in Patreon. It's been a bumpy ride at times, but I've never felt fulfilled and happier. And a lot of my decisions in life that have been so key to my happiness, setting me off on a new road, meeting people who I've been realigned with, so much has been guided by my intuition. Now, I have noticed as well over the years, I've noticed how a lot of people will often talk about their dreams and deepest desires. I think often most of us know deep down what we'd really like to do if we, if we just didn't have any limitations, but we're often scared, scared, you know, scared to take the leap. And this was very much me too, taking a step away from the comfort, safety and routine of what society deems to be successful is scary. And when we do this, we need to really back ourselves as people around us often can't do this and they might project their own fears onto us. So we need to act to build our own confidence. If you make promises to yourself and you don't follow through, this really undermines your confidence and self-worth as well. So it's like, it goes in both ways really, you know, if you're actually thinking about what you want to do, taking some baby steps, following through, you build confidence, you build momentum. If you just sit there and kind of dream about it, but you never take any action, then you start to identify as this person who doesn't kind of take action and you feel more disillusioned and you lose confidence to follow your dreams. So the way I've developed confidence and self-esteem is through taking the action, taking the leap and trusting that it will all be okay. And when I land on happier ground and I realize that I've not only survived, but I've even thrived, this gives me that kind of boost and momentum to do it again and take another step to follow my further desires. Okay, number four, become your biggest cheerleader. Now, if only I could have understood this deeply around 20 years ago, I was so always looking for external validation or for someone to give me permission or someone to tell me I was good enough before I could do anything. I cared as well so much about my dad's opinion of me. I'd taken it all in like a sponge. And although he was coming from such a place of fear and dealing with his own unprocessed trauma, you know, and he was absolutely doing the best he could at the time, but it was so deeply wounding for me at the time. You know, and I look back and I can have a lot of compassion. 
I, I understand now for my own life, you know, I've had a lot more freedom, a lot more ability to make choices, to go off and forge my own path. And life's still been very challenging. And when I think about my dad, you know, he didn't have anywhere near as many choices or as much freedom as me. And he, you know, he was coming from a place of being bullied a lot by his own dad. And, you know, I can, it all makes sense. But I just cared so much about what he thought about me. And that really defined my whole opinion of myself. And I also cared about random people and what they thought. You know, was I pretty, thin, intelligent? I was always scanning the environment for clues to determine what other people might think of me. And if someone was difficult to please or a bit aloof, you know, the crazy thing is, rather than just thinking actually maybe the problems were them, I then felt I had to work 10 times harder to get their worth or approval. So how crazy does that sound? So I almost became adept at pleasing difficult people. <laughs> In recent years though, I've made major life decisions that people around me have not approved of or agreed with. You know, I've kind of gone against convention, I've really stepped out of my comfort zone. And I've really had to lean into my own opinion of myself and to readily, really back myself fully. And I've realized actually that other people in life, they, will, they often want what's best for me and they're coming from a place of great intention. However, they're not in my head and they don't know my inner thoughts and feelings. And I've also realized that other people's opinions are often just this, opinions. And they are based on their own life experiences and their own fears. And as a human, when you step out of your comfort zone and take some braver decisions, it does unsettle people because it makes them question their own decisions, their lives and how they're showing up. So does this mean that we should never listen to others or get support? So absolutely not. You know, I know for me, my inner circle of close people are genuinely so important to me and I highly value vulnerability and sharing with these people. However, although I might seek wisdom or an alternative point of view, ultimately I'm leaning into my own wisdom and making my own decisions and I'm validating these decisions. I'm validating and having faith in myself, okay? So even if someone else doesn't agree with me who I really, who I really care about, if I feel fully aligned with that decision and I feel it's the right decision for me, I will back myself regardless and give myself that self-validation and you know, self-love. And this has only come from stepping out of my comfort zone without the approval or permission of others and realizing, you know, it's okay. Actually, when I truly back myself and I listen to myself, um, I can do scary things actually and things tend to work out because actually ultimately only really I know myself better than anyone else and I can start to really trust that and that is incredible. So this is a world away from my old people pleasing ways when making the smallest decision I would ask 20 people in my life for their opinion, I would then feel immensely confused about what to do, I feel the added pressure to please all 20 of those people because they had imparted their advice to me. And what a confused and perplexed state I was often in. And it often left me feeling frustrated, angry, resentful, not in a good place. Um, so there you go. Become your biggest cheerleader, because actually you are there for yourself 24 hours a day. You are not gonna leave yourself, you know, although you might have your little wobbles, 
that is fine. Whereas when we are leaning on self, when we're leaning on, sorry, external validation from others, it's a bit like buses. You know, one day you might get a lot, another day you may not get much at all. And ultimately, other people's opinions and validation is much more about them than anything about you. So number five is fall in love with yourself. So if you said this to me when I was 20 years old, I would literally have rolled my eyes at you, looked very confused and perplexed and thought, you that's just being really arrogant, loving yourself. You know, I just wouldn't have been able to take that on board at all. But if you think about what we mean by love and how you treat the people that you love, you know, love is a verb, isn't it? It's an action. And I think as someone who's struggling from an eating disorder, you're probably excellent at caring for your child, your pet, your partner, your loved ones. But are you so good at doing it for yourself? Now in healing, we truly need to learn to love ourselves. Because if we don't love ourselves, we're always going to feel unworthy, undeserving, and really hard to then allow the good stuff in. And that's going to show up in all areas of our lives. And we need to have compassion for the younger version of ourselves and think about how we would show up and how we would evaluate and take care of our younger selves in some of those situations that we may have been in. So what can falling in love with yourself mean? So it can be doing things like appreciating your strengths and qualities. So appreciating the things that you're good at rather than noticing the things that you're not so good at, but pay more attention to the things that you love that bring you joy and really building momentum and attention around those things. You can be taking care of yourself with loving acts, you know, so allowing yourself time to rest, doing activities you enjoy, maybe going to watch a film that you really like, buying yourself something that brings you pleasure, like, I don't know, a nice kind of body butter or something. It could be surrounding yourself with people who love and support you, now the research shows that we're so influenced by the people that we spend the most time with. So if you're not spending with time with people who uplift, support and encourage you, that is going to really impact you a lot, okay? And it's going to really impact your self-worth. So it's really important to surround yourself with people who do love and support you. Setting boundaries and saying no to protect your peace. Now I know in my life in the last few years, I have massively simplified my life. I slowed down so much. I have so much intention about the things that I do and how I spend my time and the people that I see. And this means that I probably do less than a lot of kind of conventional people, whatever that means. There is no normal, is there really? But I think I've very much got in my own lane in terms of what works for me. And this means that I can really enjoy my life, be in the moment and um, yeah, kind of like delight and look forward to the day rather than it all feeling like this horrible big treadmill. Being playful and adding fun into daily life. Now, for me, in the last few years, I got back into kind of parkour. I think having my children has really helped me tap into my more playful, fun side again. I think it's so important, isn't it, to be able to kind of laugh at things, not take yourself too seriously. Nourishing myself with delicious food. So feeding myself foods I really enjoy. And not necessarily foods that are just super healthy, but foods that I really enjoy the taste of and are very, very yummy, very important talking kindly to myself as well you know not being that kind of critical inner bully towards myself but actually being kind as we would to someone else valuing talents and recognizing where you can make a difference you know rather than always berating yourself for all the things you haven't done forgiving yourself as well for the, when things don't work out now i used to really struggle with this because i used to feel so much shame particularly around when the people pleasing in relationships turn sour 
and those relationships would get blown out of the water. I often felt so much shame for not showing up authentically and um, the way the relationships often ended. And um, I've had to really forgive myself for that and realize I was doing the best I could at the time. Listening to feelings and letting them guide you. You know, our feelings are such an important internal barometer. And if we're not listening to our feelings, you know, we're missing such an important part of connecting with ourselves. Processing trauma and thinking about how we would treat a younger version of ourselves. Now, if we don't process our trauma, it's like a wound that's unhealed and it tends to show up everywhere in our lives, in our relationships, in our work, everything we do. So it's really important as and when you're ready to be able to kind of heal your trauma, heal your past and work through that. Not compare yourself, but get fully in your own lane with purpose and passion. And be so excited by your own life that you don't really compare, you don't look sideways. I know for myself these days, I'm so focused on my kind of mission and my purpose and the things that are important to me in life and showing up for those things. I don't really have time to look sideways and notice what other people are doing. And I mean, that's the best way to live. Because actually, you know, we are all unique and we all have our own special talents and gifts. And we just want to get on at being ourselves. You know, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. They are not you. Just celebrate yourself and everything you have to bring. Okay, so I guess that's just a few guidelines on how to love yourself. And I guess it's a big topic. There could be much more. Anyway, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you so much. And as you're listening to this, I'm sure we will have hit the million download mark. So yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm going to be continuing to release a Wednesday and a weekend episode. So particular subjects that you would like and you haven't heard on the podcast or you want something again or more of something, do let me know. You can DM me on Instagram or you can email me harriet.frew at gmail.com. And if you are a professional listening, my body image training and my eating disorders training is now online and the link is in the show notes to that. And of course, our sponsors today, Conquering Bulimia and Merit and Sarah Lee, their fantastic new course. Do go and check that out as well if you are struggling with bulimia and you want an online course, which is gonna be super, super helpful. Okay, thank you so much for listening today. Do follow me on Instagram if you're not already at the eating disorder therapist underscore for further support with your relationship with food. Do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd follow, rate, and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. <laughs>